0: Welcome back to the Geek Centric Podcast, and welcome to our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. You want to know why they put me in charge? It's because I'm willing to do what needs to be done. How's it going troopers and welcome back to Watch Club, my name is CT0831, but you can call me Hugs, and this is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch, Episode 3, titled Replacements. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we crash land on a mysterious planet, thus delaying our journey, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. Uh, First up, he's taller than a Jawa, smaller than a a Jabba, (laughs) and as entertaining as Jar Jar, he's CT-1231, also known as... Edit. Hello. <laughs> All right. There we go. And rounding out our small battalion, we have the dopest, dankest dude on Dagobah, CT 1006. But you can call him Joints. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, troopers. How are you guys doing this fine evening?
1: Good. How are you, yeah. man?
0: Good. Yeah, good. Got another episode to go over today. Um, stoked again to kind of, I think, I think we. Justin, you and I talked a little bit off, uh, off air, enjoyed this one a little bit more uh, than, than previous weeks, um, but before we, listen, before we kind of get into the episode, uh, let's start off right there. Let's get your high-level overview. Uh, Justin, we'll, we'll start with you.
1: Given that the last episode was a little bit of a slower one, that didn't really seem to add too much other than some character development, this seemed to kind of add some tidbits of Key elements or things that will be happening that are going to change the universe or lead to the new empire. So yeah. some of the information that unfolded, it was it was very interesting. I was I was very intrigued, and I think we're uh, we're hitting the right sort of notes of what we think is going to happen with this this show and and where it's heading.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I, I you know, we're going to get to some of the theories that we've. Uh, we've called out collectively as a group, or mostly Darcy. But uh, before we before we keep going, Darcy, what did you think of this episode?
2: Uh, same lines as Justin. There I, again, it was kind of a slow moving episode overall. But the information we got from that episode was very crucial. It seems to the storyline yeah. going forward. Uh, I also liked the very nostalgic feel of you know them losing power and landing on this misty planet, and then having a, yeah. an animal suck the things. Like it was. Very yeah, Empire vibes callback. from the whole episode, yeah. so I was yeah, yeah. It was that was a fun little like callback, yeah. but yeah, I yeah, enjoyed yeah. it other than this the slowness of it
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree with half of what you're saying, because I think this episode can kind of be broken down into two halves, um, and that you know the there was the it was a little less filler than episode two um you can certainly tell which was the a plot and which was the B plot, and I think at least while crosshairs with the Empire we're gonna keep seeing stories on. On both sides. But I'm glad we're getting into some more, Justin, as you were saying, world building stuff uh, with this episode. And I love the pace that they keep dropping these sort of moments um, that are small, but they have huge impacts for especially Star Wars fans. So uh, you love to see it um but yeah we are going to kind of dive into it if it's okay with you guys um I'm going to kind of mix things up a bit as far as the plot is concerned um just because the a plot and the b plot don't really ever cross over at any point in time um so I was thinking we could discuss crosshair and the Camino and Onderon stuff first and then we'll we'll check out the adventure that uh, Clone Force 99 goes on sound good? Sounds sure. good to me. All right cool uh so we're going to start off on Camino. We see that Crosshair's vitals are at optimum levels, uh, and we meet Vice Admiral Rampart, uh, who we learn is leading Project Warmantle. He informs Admiral Tarkin uh, that the new recruits are ready for training under their new general, General Crosshair. Uh, Tarkin demands to see if these new recruits can compete. Sorry, can complete the mission that Clone Force ninety nine failed. He tasks them with traveling to Onderon to wipe out Saagarrera and his battalion. Well on their way, uh, one of the troopers, ESO-1, exclaims his disagreement with his positioning under Crosshair. Once they arrive, they discover that Saw Guerrera isn't there, uh, and that they, uh, and then they easily take out the rebel forces. Uh, with only a few civilians left, Crosshair learns that they have no information on Guerrera and points his gun at them to finish his mission. But then ESO-1 stops him, saying uh, they should bring them in, uh, and that they, they signed up to be soldiers, not an execution squad. Crosshair says, you want to know why they put me in charge? It's because I'm willing to do what needs to be done. He then pulls out his blaster and murders eso one in front of the other recruits. He commands them to complete the mission and they kill the remaining civilians. After returning successfully, Crosshair contemplates his actions as he returns with the other recruits to the barracks. And we also see Lama Sue and Nala Se discuss their plans to move to the next phase of their plans to create a, quote unquote, superior clone, uh, claiming that their survival hinges on it. Oh, OK. So, guys, what did you think of this plot with Crosshair, uh, the introduction of, of Vice Admiral Rampart? The transition to non-clone recruits and the mysterious plan the Kaminoans are plotting. Justin.
1: Um, well, I think, you know, w- I think it was in the first episode, just the introduction of Crosshair in this dark, specialized stormtrooper outfit. Yeah. It seemed like he was going to be an elevated role. And I, I think I said that I, I wonder if they're, they're tapping into this, how, like, clones will become, like the trainers of of the new soldiers that would replace them or you know they would be leaders in in some capacity cuz they would be enhanced and and more enhanced on the lines of like clone force 99 right um so i think that that we're seeing that right now in this in these moments here is that they're testing that theory out it's it's kind of like in a way it's dealing with literally what happens after the clones like what what is the next logical step for the empire after the clones right um, because we are out of the clone war it's just it's really funny how if you really break it down so what is going to happen after the clones? so I think we're seeing in this these moments like very much what the future of the Empire is going to look like um, and I think we're going to get more and I, and I like that that little element to this, this, this narrative, this overall narrative that we're, we're seeing it's, it's really, how is the empire transitioning, uh, in, in this, in this, uh, but the scene with the and Owens is awesome too, because it shows that they have their own plans and that there is something more integral to the bad batch than that we might know. Like they are, they're more specialized. Maybe they're not necessarily the rejected clones. There's something special about them. Maybe there there always was. So I th- I thought it was interesting. I thought I thought that that storyline to me was a huge anchor of, of really cementing what's going to happen for the future of this 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 galaxy. Right.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I've got some stuff that I want to say about about that as well. But before I do, Darcy, uh, what were your thoughts about kind of that that entire crosshair plotline?
2: Well, off the top, I thought it was pretty cool, uh, or felt very uh, vindicated when I saw that we did see that that chain code admiral guy is. Yes, a, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, you called it, yeah. So I, I was that, like, was, I was like, oh, there good. he is. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that was a really neat, uh, neat thing to see, and I, I uh, he clearly he has uh, stakes in this. He's looking for Tarkin's admiration. Who knows? There's that storyline going on in the comics right now, which is very similar, where he uh, Tarkin has all his protégés, if you will, kind of battle to the death to see who has the, the right to uh, serve under him. So this might be possibly a lead up to that, you know, uh, struggle mm. we're seeing in the comics, which would be neat. Oh, interesting. Um, other than that, uh, the crosshair plot, like Justin was saying, clearly the Kaminoans uh, have uh, higher hopes for these, uh, the the clones than we thought. Like they weren't just, you know, these fun little things that they were just trying, to, trying out for fun. They saw this as the next step in their greater plan. Uh, who knows if that is uh, the creation of a force-sensitive clone? Because again, we mm. we're pos- possibly going to see some you know big times to Mandalorian, and with the Grogu's plot line there, clearly force cloning is or cloning force-sensitive beings is not an easy task. So if if the Kaminoans are onto something at this early stage, maybe Omega plays a much larger role than we first thought. But yeah, I mean the actual Onderon, uh scenes kind of felt like basically. It, what would have happened if uh the experiment of the force 99 uh had gone through with it so it kind of just felt like you know crosshair isn't being held back anymore he is following orders to the to the most uh extreme taking yeah. out those civilians at the end there uh yeah. and his own uh, member kind of thought that was the his the other troopers may have had something to say about that but i guess they're you know more afraid of their commander than uh Willing to stand up to him, I guess. So that's interesting
0: to see. This episode, like this part of the episode, was uh, definitely the focus, I think, and it's what I was talking about in our last episode. Like seeing the invention of chain codes, these cool little moments that have big sort of behind the scene impacts on the galaxy, and seeing the recruitment of non clone troopers. And and Darcy, again, you called it, man. Handsome Vice Admiral Rampart being part of the show in a bigger capacity is. Awesome. Um, And then I think I don't remember whether it was you or Justin, but also just kind of shouting out the idea that like, you know, clones will be training non-clones. and That was me. Right. (laughs) But then to go back to like Darcy's theory of like that has to do with their inability to be able to shoot well. Right. In case, you know, if the inhibitor chip is actually affecting uh, their their shooting capability. And I also <laughs> so think
1: they're passing on they're passing yeah, on 100%. Their skills.
0: Sure, why not? <laughs> right? It. Because if it's in yeah, the, it's you, know, you don't you don't want to
1: aim for the head. Aim for just like <laughs> around the head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. I I just think it fits so incredibly well with the character of Crosshair because that goes against his gifts. It's literally. Turning him, uh, you know, to the almost the opposite of what he is. Um, and so also uh, this is I listen and I, I, I got some some of this from a YouTube video. But did you notice both Rampart and Tarkin are now carrying code cylinders uh, on them in their pockets, uh, which is just cool now that chain codes are a thing. It's just a, another little tiny continuity thing. And then another continuity thing that I want to shout out as well. Project War Mantle, um, which Rampart is heading up, was mentioned by Jin Erso in Rogue One. Uh, when she's going through all the files. So I just thought it's so cool how they're tying it all together. Yeah, um, this is
1: this is the beginning phases of that, right? Like well, that's, yeah, that's what's
2: ju- really great. Yeah. It leads me to believe that they will possibly see the other things she's called out. Because she listed a couple of things before right. she found the Death Star plan. Yeah, there. So, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> like,
0: literally, they're just going to keep going back to that. Okay, guys, yeah. we need a name for something. Can we just check the scene? Which one do we use? Go through the folder and be like,
2: oh, <laughs> this one, we, we haven't used this one yet. Or we've there only we just go. touched on this type thing. So, yeah, they've got they've got a lot to, to build off of for sure.
0: Very cool. Yeah, seeing the attack on Onderon uh, was interesting. We saw that ESO-1... Um, you know, C- Crosshair sort of considers that a flaw, right? His his human nature is a flaw, um, and the fact that he wasn't able to murder civilians. So I think it's gonna be interesting to see how the other recruits react um, and also, you know going forward how that's going to work out. Um, and and we, we listen, we discussed last week that we thought Omega would be incredibly important uh, and how she'd be crucial to the Kaminoans' survival. And clearly we were we kind of we kind of called that a little bit. Um, you know, they're gonna have to find a way to get her back without Tarkin knowing. So, um, I'm really intrigued to see that. Of course, I have some more thoughts on Omega. Um, maybe a little bit later on
1: in our podcast. So, yeah, when they're looking out at mm-hmm. that cafeteria table and it's empty, and they're talking about, you know, they're working on the next steps. Mm-hmm. They're referring to the Bad Batch.
0: No, obviously. they're referring. They're referring to Omega because here's. Here's the they, thing. They, I was going to get to this later. I think
2: but... the Bad Batch as a whole, though, because you said the clones, multiple, like plural, like all, five but, of them, like, all four of the uh, Bad Batch are clones. So but it's they any also one said, of them is potential.
0: Sure, exactly. Any one of them is a potential option. They already yeah. have Crosshair, though. So if it was yeah. one of the Bad Batch that they needed, then they already have Crosshair. I think they need Omega specifically.
2: Uh, Yeah, well, I also, again, did a bit of YouTube viewing as well, and one of the ones that hadn't even crossed my mind was the possibility of uh, the gene splicing cloning, basically how they cloned Galen uh, Merrick in uh, Force Unleashed 2, how it took hundreds of thousands of tries to splice uh, DNA together to get another Force-sensitive clone. So maybe they're using the combination of... The Bad Batch, because if you look at the Bad Batch as a whole, they're basically a Jedi broken into separate parts. Jedi all have you know incredible tech uh, abilities that you see in tech. You uh, you Mm. got Hunter having his heightened senses. Jedi you know kind of pick up on that through the use of the Force. Uh, Again, their strength is augmented by the Force. But who, who, what's to say that these characteristics, if compiled into one being, would not make a Force-sensitive individual? So like that's that's just something that uh, again the video kind of led me down. But is that Omega? The, so like Omega might be the final result of that or yeah. at the, an early stage of that, potentially. Right. So like, because again, she mentions in the B plot, can I turn, learn to track like you? And it's like, well, that's an enhanced skill. So maybe she has that as well. Who knows?
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, then let's get to those, uh, those moments then. So we also see this episode start with Clone Force 99 en route to their next location. Uh, we see food is scarce and Wrecker witnesses Omega's selflessness. As she offers him her only food, um, while on their way to their next location, they're pulled out of hyperspace and they crash land on a mysterious desolate planet. Of course, um, they quickly discover they need to replace a capacitor to take off. Uh, they have one spare on board, but it's quickly stolen by an Ordo Moon Dragon. Uh, Wrecker offers to help in, in the search, but his head is still hurting from the crash. So Omega Hunter, uh, sorry, Omega and Hunter head out to track down the stolen part. Once they find the moon dragon, it attacks Hunter and knocks his mask off of him causing him to black out. Omega calls for assistance, but after hearing nothing back, she decides to be brave, grab Hunter's blaster and go after the beast. She successfully retrieves the capacitor by tricking the beast instead of shooting it at it. Uh, shooting at it. <laughs> Once safely back with Hunter, they head back to the ship. The ship is repaired and they manage to escape off the planet. Wrecker informs Omega that he has a surprise for her. He has her close her eyes and then walks her over to the back of the ship where she sees that he set up her own room for her. She's elated and she, she's never had her own room before. Uh, and then Hunter says, well, you're part of the squad now too. Uh, so guys, I mean, very simple plot. What do we think of this B plot? Uh, Omega's bravery and Wrecker's headache. Darcy, we'll start with you.
2: Well, again, the headache is kind of suspicious because it is on the side that we've seen the inhibitor chip yep. come out of. Yeah. So, uh, wondering if it's getting jarred into activation or something like that. Hopefully, tech fixes his scanner. I uh, guess that scanner up and running soon, so we can, uh, you know, stop anything before it happens. It'll be
0: too, no, it'll be too late.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Wrecker would be a hard one to stop too with his strength. You could definitely do some damage before you you put him down. Uh, right. Mm. But uh, the the whole uh, Omega Hunter thing—it was just a more another bonding moment again. Kind of felt mm-hmm. like the family thing, where she's she again sees an idol type figure in Hunter. Look, she looks up to him a lot, and the rest of the crew, of course. And just, so being able to go out on that mission with him probably uh, felt really cool because clearly she took it very seriously, uh, deciding to go after the thing. Um, again, very force sensitive vibes—the way she just kind of sensed out that creature. Calmly, before freaking, like mm-hmm. without freaking out too much. So, uh, yeah, again, she's clearly not a normal clone. She's at least open to a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities. So, uh, sure. yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to see where they're gonna take that. And again, yeah, the room thing at the end was just more sweet. Like that, she's she's accepted into the into the gang now, so it's feels good. It also, raises the question as to like clearly the the, uh, the Clone Force ninety nine feels bad about or they the um crosshairs bunk probably or he supposedly has a bunk you'd assume uh and they're not letting her use that maybe because they still don't want to admit that he's gone like clearly they miss mm. him so. so yeah they will go back for sure
1: well yeah and you know just jumping off from from what you're talking about there like they do hint he you know you mentioned it last week darcy in the in um the cut and run episode that you know, it's inherently in Hunter to leave no man behind, and he he actually said that he's like you know he still feels bad that he he left Crosshair behind. Omega reassures him that you know we'll get him, we'll get him back. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's really great, and you know I think this whole B plot again, it served as some really nice character building moments, um, and just you know solidifying her bond with the the Bad Batch and how they're embracing her. And, you know, they find it awkward, obviously, because they've never had it to, you know, work or live with a child, obviously. Uh, so, you know, they're doing their best to to make that, you know, that very endearing moment with with Wrecker is, is is great because, you know, it just shows how connected he is to um, to the sort of adolescent, that, that sort of empathy of, of kids, which I think if he does turn and his inhibitor chip goes off, Omega is probably going to be the one that's going to be able to reel him back and well I love that right because I I just think that that's you know just seeing how much of a a connection he has with kids it's an ongoing theme that we see of him interacting with kids and and having that sort of bond so it'll be interesting to see how it it plays out but I think Darcy you were mentioning it too it's like her ability to track and, and want to track and learn and how she handled the situation like she didn't immediately jump to you know freaking out and shooting she kind of evaluated the situation which leads me to believe that a she's she's already kind of adopted what you what you've said like she's probably a gene splice of all of them into one and she just she doesn't know it and they don't know it um but you know there was already this existing sort of like you know there's something there's something about her like from hunter like you know I don't know who she is but there's something about her like he was connected and i think it's because he knows like he feels that that there's something of him in her, and vice 100%. versa, right? Like I, there's just there's just something going on. So, you know, for her to like inherently take tack, tackle that situation and um, kind of not necessarily go to an extreme, but like evaluate and think and figure out this thing, it, it it just shows a different side, and maybe it's more of a hunter thing that she has built into her already. So I don't know.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I love you're you're hitting all the nails in the head there, Justin. I love like the moment when Hunter picks up the dirt. And then she just does the same thing. Like, yeah. it's just so cute. Like, she's totally... Like, I told... I said in the first episode that I thought she was a little annoying. She, I don't care anymore. She's fully won me over. So, uh, it only took two episodes of her being cute uh, to win me over. But uh, I'm a lot like Wrecker in that way. But, um, you know, I also love that they they showed her bravery. And, and yeah, the fact that she took the br- the blaster, but she went the tactical route instead of the violent yeah. one. And yeah. I think, you know, that's something that Hunter would be really proud of if he had sort of witness that um, and I think that's something that we're going to also see further in the series um, and it also shows again the force, sensitiv- uh, force sensitivity aspect of it because you know calling back other situations with you know force sensitive beings uh, communicating with animals right like we have that trope right we've seen it with Ezra and we've seen it with Rey um, so I think that just further cements definitely we're dealing with a force wielder here um, and Wrecker's headache absolutely it's going to get much worse. I think it's going to, I think something, that'll be a whole episode dedicated to that, I'm sure. You know? Um, oh, and, and one last thing. I, I told you guys I was going to cry at some point in this series and I didn't quite cry just yet. I got really close when Wrecker gave Omega her room and he gave her his Lula, Justin. His Lula. Okay? I, teared, I got close. It, it, tears came up to the surface and they didn't fall quite over. Um, but that was such a really lovely moment.
2: My thoughts for that room reveal was just, uh, is there a bed in there? Or is she expected to sleep upright in a chair? Because I'm not <laughs> sure if that's an upgrade from a gonk droid She's or She's small.
0: She's small. She can fit in there. I think that's where they were storing the gonk droid. Well, no, if you me. look at earlier in
2: the episode, Wrecker's coming down from there. It looked like it was just another like like a gunner's cockpit almost. With sure, that, cause okay. Because it's a viewport out to the to space, of course. In the back. well, that mirror. would be so, that
0: would be dope if there's just a curtain like like hanging that's covering like a gun or you know the controls for a gun, and then they have to get her to like okay, oh, oh and then she jumps in and she I don't know, I think that'd be I, really fun. Some Link I thought it was interesting moments just sliding into the chair, hearing right. Go. <laughs> Cool. Um, well, guys, uh, let's go ahead and move into our rating and uh, and and our, our predictions. Um, you know, wrapping up. We, you know, we, I want to know what your overall thoughts are uh, for this episode, um, and uh, we're going to be rating it on a scale of one to five stolen capacitors. So, Darcy, we're going to start with you. Uh, so like I said, it was
2: pretty slow, but again, those really juicy tidbits were dropped over the course of this slower episode. Uh, uh, so. I I think it was a bit better than the last one. Again, probably on on, on par in terms of uh, slowness, but a bit more meat to the content that we were getting there. So uh, I'd probably go ahead and give it maybe you know three point eight uh, stolen capacitors out of five. I feel like cool. that's a solid score for it because again, it was slow, but I really enjoyed what we learned throughout the the course of that episode.
0: Very cool, Justin.
1: Yeah, everything he said is uh, exactly it was slow but the the information that we learned was very very crucial to where the future of the galaxy is going not even just like the story that we're currently in but what we're seeing in the galaxy which I thought was just was was really nice to kind of implement right I, I, you, you know you you watching a show about just the bad batch and you think it's just going to be about them mm-hmm. um, you know I think I think th- this is an example of how Filoni has learned from his Mandalorian experience to then infuse that into a little bit of this in the animated series about you know doesn't necessarily need to stay so siloed on this group of people but we can do some some rich galaxy yeah. yeah galaxy building if you yeah. will right so um, to that to that point I would, I would give it a higher score I think last week I gave it a three point five um, last week's episode so I think this week I'd give it uh, a three point six. Uh, 3.7 i'll give it a 3.7 give it a 3.7 out of five stolen capacitors yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: cool uh for me as i said at the top of the episode i i enjoyed this episode as well more than the last one it uh it felt like it was only half uh uh, filler you know what i mean it was part of it Mm -hmm. was filler and then the other half was actually i think much more interesting and i thought with crosshair storyline taking center stage here and actually advancing the story and the mystery on Camino uh, even further while omega and clone force 99's journey was more character building and overall sort of plot stalling if you will um, it seems that that's going to kind of be the route that they're going to go for, you know, at least, again, while Crosshair is with the uh, the Empire, uh, they're going to have two stories kind of going forward. And I thought this episode did a, actually a really good job of balancing both of those stories, going back and forth at, at a good pace. Um, I loved how dark they got with this episode on Crosshair's side. I it, you know it shows you know justin you were talking about how the show can kind of be immature at times um and sort of very kiddish and i think this yeah. is showing a much more mature yes. moment yeah. um and like I more of that, that. Place, I, I right
1: agree. yeah no 100% that's that's just it. it didn't shift its tone so drastically that it was like ugh this is a kids yeah. show
0: yeah it kind of it kind of stayed level the entire time which was nice even even with the omega stuff it didn't get too kiddish so yeah i mean th- that's the thing like overall i enjoyed this episode uh, and what it does to further expand the galaxy and its history, like we were saying. Uh, And any episode that can get me close to tears deserves a good rating for me. So um, I'm going to give this four stolen capacitors out of five, uh, my highest score uh, so far since the the first one. Actually, I think I gave the first one 4.5, but um, anyways, guys, let's let's kind of wrap up the episode here. Um, of course, we always like to end every Watch Club episode where we can speculate on what we think is going to happen. And we might not always have some speculation with this series. Um, so, if, you know, if you guys have something or not, it's up to you. Uh, but I just got to know, guys, what's going to happen, batches? So, if either one of you batches would like to to go first, you totally can. Uh,
2: uh, Well, clearly, we're gonna get uh, the Wrecker's headache is definitely gonna be a bigger storyline, especially with Tech having work working on this uh, scanner to find out about Mm. the chips. Yeah, he Uh, might activate it by accident. Yeah, who knows what who knows what the scanner is gonna do? And I feel like Wrecker either like again in the next episode, I probably we'll probably see the headache you know become something more and and probably. Uh, along the lines of meeting Rex at some point because we, uh, we know Rex has had it taken out and he said that the other two guys he's with also took their chips out yeah. so like he knows the process so if they can meet up with him they we oh, can stop worrying about theory. that chip. So that's that, a good that's, theory.
1: That, that's how they get probably get it out. That's Yeah actually that's that's,
2: theory, that's my my opinion and of course we're going to see them go back for crosshair like like I said earlier I hunter still feels remorse omega's like yeah i understand we got to go get him it wasn't his fault so there's that's definitely gonna come out as well
0: or follow Mm -hmm. through as well very cool justin you got anything batch
1: well listen batch i got (laughs) i got something and i and i am actually i'm stealing it right from darcy and i and i really like it is that i think omega is a Basically, a a melting pot of all the of all of the the Bad Batch. I like yeah, um, I I honestly think it is, and, and I and like maybe it is something that you heard on YouTube, but you know it makes sense that there is something special about her. There's something that that the Bad Batch, or specifically more specifically Hunter, acknowledges about her, and he's not force sensitive, but. He feels a bond to her that is is beyond just, you know, a friendship. It's something else. Like he he suddenly just he he became very fatherly towards her or brotherly, whatever you want to call it, but he cares about her greatly. So, you know, that I feel like is is instinctually Blended in based on the fact that they come from the same DNA. So, I think the I think that that's that's a really interesting way to to pan this out to show that she's the next iteration of cloning. She will be an example of that because she took they took the best parts of the bad batch and mixed it and created her. And I think that's that's a that's a very compelling story in itself, right there.
0: That's it, absolutely. And to kind of go off of that uh, batch. Um, I, uh, I messaged both you batches, uh, a theory that I couldn't put out of my head. Um, and we saw, uh, there was a website, uh, that hashtag show.com posted something very similar that Omega's name means more than we think. And I remember calling out in our first episode that, you know, of course her name means final or last. And, um, I, I, I do really think it's going to have a darker meaning for the clones. I think, you know, including, including the bad batch, I think, um, Omega is clearly going to work as like maybe a weapon for the Kaminoans or they'll use her as a template for the superior clones that'll be used to wipe out the existing clone army. And so mm. I think she's, she's obviously their safety net for the Kaminoans. Uh, and, and I think it's going to be really dark and sad. And I think, I think the biggest thing is, is she already knows this. I think she actually already knows her purpose and that's what she's running away from. That's why maybe. she wants to be with them so Let's... bad and get off of Kamino.
1: I I think, though, that, like, to to the point that we were talking about, you know, I think you're right. Omega does obviously insinuate the end and and signify that as as the meaning of that word. Yeah. But what if she is the end result of... This right. this mixture of clones, right? Mm-hmm. Like she, you know, that's that's how I'm I'm perceiving it because, you know, I don't think their their intent is to wipe out the clones. It's so yeah, well,
2: they even said during that episode is that they need to take steps to ensure that the clones remain uh, usable and like like yes. required. Like they they they, they yeah. said that like that's their first and foremost thing is to make sure that the clones don't go out of of use basically. Uh, mm-hmm. so I agree with like the fact, again, like she's Omega is, as in like, she is the end result of their first, the bad batch, basically. Like, again, they culminated everything into her. And also with the going down the road of how they'd have to control these things, clearly she doesn't want anything to do with the Kaminoans anymore, having run away with the bad batch, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. So if she does have a chip in her head, they'll probably get it out along with the rest of the experimental force 99 if they do
0: find that because i think i think it goes deeper than that though darcy i think (laughs) you know the caminoans are are very very smart and i think they would have figured out that to not allow their their safety net to have something that you know especially with the bad batch
2: i don't know i still i i don't think uh that they have omega turn that just be like the the bonds that they're building are like meant to be a Lasting thing, I don't see them taking her character and just being like, okay, now she's gonna be the downfall of everything. Just kind of seems I like
1: could a very, be, yeah. she could be the downfall in the sense that she shows that they're now obsolete. Like I could right. see, I could That's see what I that mean.
0: Mm-hmm. right because then the clones, the clones being obsolete, the empire no longer needs them. They need something better, and now who owns those better clones? The Kaminoans. So they, they, they say, well, let's get rid of this old stock that we have. We don't need it anymore. We'll destroy it. That way they're not going to be used by anyone. And then we'll have the, the, the best force in the galaxy that obviously the Empire will want to buy.
2: Uh, even if they do uh, have this better stock and that's their plan, they clearly uh, in the past have shown great care for their clone army. I don't see them just quickly throwing away... All this work they've put into.
0: They they've got so something much better, no, no. discontinue the yeah, old model. Think, discontinue the old model. We don't need it anymore. Yeah, yeah but no, they won't. They whole, won't.
1: They won't. They won't eliminate them. Right? Like it's just like it's just like it's 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 like technology in the same sort of capacity. Technology is still relevant and useful, even though the user or the consumer no longer needs it or doesn't see it. They want the upgrade, but that's what they're doing. It's very clear that the you know. For Camino to stay relevant, they need to think of the next evolution beyond that, and that is Omega. Omega is the next evolution. It's it's the next version. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that in any way does that mean they're going to eliminate. I just think that that means that this is, as Darcy's putting it, like, this is our new, cre- you know, creme de la creme that we're going to be offering up to the Empire and to other people so that we do stay relevant and we, we stay in in that place of, of sort of power if they will, if you will, with, with how they how they look at it. I, I don't know if it's as as dark and brooding as that. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: we already have one big bad in the empire. I don't want to see them turning the Kaminoans into another bad. Because right now they're incredibly neutral. So Yeah I could just yes. see them
0: I could just see them going and 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 playing with the idea of like because we saw the clones as a as a bad force now, right? And we sort of saw that cafeteria fight. I could just see them doing something where, you know, they still recognize that those clones are still just like the Bad Batch and something like that, and and obviously Omega won't want to partake in in their destruction. But I don't know. I could be completely off here, but uh, that's just my that's just my theory. You batch. Omega is full of
2: compassion. I don't see her wanting to be have a hand in the downfall of what is essentially her family.
0: She won't have a choice. I don't think she'll have a choice. I uh, Again, this whole show this whole show
2: is about choice. I don't think they're going to have... Yeah, and how it can be taken away, from,
0: Darcy. It can be taken away from yes. Little Omega. I'm sorry. But again,
2: the whole show is building up about how these people are fighting for their free will. To have a main character who is clearly showing what free will can lead to for the Bad Batch as a whole, Yeah, and mm. just taking that away from her would just be so cruel and devastating. And yes. even if they do take it away from her, I don't see her complying. Again, it's... Clearly, Owen's technology isn't flawless, in that the Bad Batch, their chips don't work.
1: But I see, I see it to your point, Darcy, that like she's an example of what happens when you don't put control into it, and it does have its own decision making. Because I feel like the clones are examples of full control, like with the inhibitor chips and mm-hmm. with everything that they that they're they're bred to do and, and the way they're taught. It is about controlling them.
0: At the end of the day, Justin, you always need a way to hard reset your product. I'm sorry. It's just, that's just the truth. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Obviously, they're going to reveal everything we're talking about in episode four, I'm sure. Uh, But that's my hot take, Batch. I also have another hot take that says all the or most of the Bad Batch are going to die. But anyways, we'll get to that maybe next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. Uh, And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the show, uh, you know, the different shows that we cover in Watch Club, uh, well, you don't have to fight off an Ordo Moon Dragon. Instead, you can just email us. Um, Hold on a second. Justin, my inhibitor chip is on the fritz again. Uh, can you can you just let them know how to reach us?
1: Uh, they can reach us at WeAreGeekCentric at gmail.com That's WeAreGeekCentric at gmail.com I for tried to second, do a wrecker. For
0: a second, I, I know. I knew it was a wrecker at the end. For a second, I thought it was a waddo. I thought you were doing a wado <laughs> yeah, impression. I no, like, it's be like gay. Hey, you can, you can reach us. Hey, Annie. Uh, yes, uh, yes, Annie. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Keep, <in> <laughs> <in mind, laughs> keep in mind we have our standard episodes of the Geek Centric Podcast. With our latest episode out now, where we talk about the latest trailers for movies like Shang-Chi, A Quiet Place Part 2, and Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So go give that a listen. Justin, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, good good soldiers, soldiers followers.